gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Abby Gilmore always had a crystal clear vision of how she thought her life would look. She always wanted to be a young mum and after two miscarriages, she finally got her wish, giving birth to her first daughter, Miller, at 21 and her second daughter, Arlo, not long after everything felt like it was falling into place. That was until she discovered her AFL partner's infidelity, completely upending her world. Suddenly finding herself as a single mom to two girls under two, battling depression and nursing a shattered heart, Abby knew she had to dig deep and piece together her life again to be the mom she always wanted to be. I absolutely loved chatting with Abby. She's so inspiring and she gets really honest with me about the things she would have done differently, what co-parenting with her ex now looks like after a rocky start, how she finds healing in sharing her story with 115,000 Instagram followers and how she finally has the life she always dreamed about. Now, the podcast gods were against us, so please bear with us through her adorable five-month-old son Mason's poo explosion, my dog becoming weirdly obsessed with be in the house and a very persistent delivery man at the door. Enjoy. So here we have Abby. Thank you so much for joining us. I just want to say quickly, when I first started this podcast, you were my number one guest to have on this, so I'm pretty chuffed right now. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I was just saying to you before, I'm in such an emotional mood, so you've got me at a good time. (laughs) Good but bad for you. (laughs) Now, I did mention to you before that I have been following you for some time. And I've really watched you grow and change and all your stages that you've been through Mm -hmm. because I think I identified it with it so much and it resonated with me. You seem like you're in such a good place right now, though. How are you? I actually feel the same way. Like, I don't think I've, I mean, over the time I've, I've always said, yes, I'm in such a good place, but now it's, I don't know, it feels really different. And, And this is where the whole emotional side comes in. It's like an, a really overwhelming feeling that I'm feeling at the moment. And it's, I'm so happy that I could cry. It's like things are really, my goals that I'd set when things weren't great actually coming true. And, you know, we're kind of in, it's, it's happening at the moment. That It's really good. So, yeah, I, I am actually really good. And it feels funny to say that, but everything's really nice. So it's for so many women who've experienced what you've experienced, to hear you getting to that part, I'm sure will be so inspiring and it's obviously taken such a long time to get here and you've done so much work on yourself which I do want to get to Mm -hmm. but first I'd like to go right 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 back to when you were a kid oh what was life what was life like growing up in the Gilmore household and who was Abby Abby was a chatterbox I used to love reading I enjoyed I didn't hate school but See, I learned later in life, I'm quite an empath. So I think I felt a lot at school, a lot of emotions and things that weren't my own. And school was almost like, I feel like I was depressed in school, but I don't know. I still sort of enjoyed it. Home life was amazing. My mum and dad were 
the best. Mum was stay-at-home mum. Dad worked full-time. He used to work seven or six days a week. Oh, my God. He would come home late and stuff, and he was, like, the guy that got up during the night for us kids because he didn't see us in the day and Mum got to sleep, and then she spent the days with us. And one of four, so I'm the youngest. It was busy, but it was the best. I had a really good childhood, which I think was... Probably part of my disappointment later in life as an adult because I had such high expectations of my own life. But, no, Abby, you know, being Abby was fantastic up until I turned 16 and, yeah, my best friend passed away from a brain tumour unexpectedly and that's still a very pivotal point in my life that I often reflect on and I think, yeah, as much as, like, I thought, well, it's, it's a long time ago now, I'm 26 and I was 15 at the time, it's something that I still go back to because... I always use the lessons that it taught me there and that changed Abby. That changed little Abby. I, I definitely was a little bit emo after that. I was very a bit I was a bit depressed. Do you um, think it made you grow up? It did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made me grow up a lot quicker. And I think it really it actually it made me really aware. I was very aware and conscious at a young age. I just didn't understand what that meant at mm-hmm. the time. So that's what I was saying when I went to school. I'd feel a lot of things, but I didn't really understand why I was a bit different. I always had this vision that I would be doing something that was really cool and great, but, like, I never really knew what it was. I never wanted to be anything in particular. I just knew I wanted to help people. And it's just funny how with time and patience, like, this is the role that I'm in and I could never have written this story in 100 years, you know, like, I would never have wanted to either. But now that I've done it, I'd do it 100 times again. So my life was really good growing up. I have such happy memories when I think back. I often go home just because it gives me that feeling of, ah. You know, a feeling of home. Yeah, home yeah. and groundedness and my animals and that are all there. And it's just life changes, but home is the same, you know? Yeah. And I just, I said the other way, every time I say to my dad, I'm like, come on, kids, get in the car, we're going home. My dad's like, no, no, we're not going home. You're going away because this is your home. I'm like, oh, it is. <laughs> what I find really interesting about you too is that you always had ideals and you always wanted to be a young mum yes. when you were a teenager. That was always yes. something you planned. I think most women out there, we're doing everything we can not to be a young I mum. <laughs> I know. And, and you know what? That was like part of the the plan, I think, was that every time I said I wanted to be a mum to someone that was older, I got like the eye roll or the don't be stupid sort of thing. And I was Mm. like, hang on a minute, like young mums aren't stupid. (laughs) And you know what's best for you. And I don't want people just think that. Yeah, and that really annoyed me. So, yeah, I had no shame in wanting to be a young mum. And anyone that knew me knew that, yeah, that was was my, I mean, I was put on this earth to be a mum, I believe. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, yeah, I wanted to be a young mum. And I take my hat off to all the young mums out there. I also like to let people know that it's not easy being a mum either. Mm. So if you are someone that's young and watching me and think, that looks so fun, <laughs> Glamorous tune in and a fun. little bit more because <laughs> my eyes were so puffy yesterday from no sleep. <laughs> I think that when Kylie Jenner had her baby, yeah. I was like, there is going to be so many young girls out there that go, oh, I'm doing that. That looks so glamorous. <laughs> yeah. And no, your baby isn't dressed. Like our babies aren't dressed head to toe in Burberry. No. no. Kmart actually. <laughs> <laughs> Target. And when you were a teenager, that's when you met your partner at the time, Jake. Is that yes. right? And when yeah. did you start dating? You were quite young. We were quite young. We met when we were 13 and we dated when we were 16. So, yeah. And that was like a really cool experience too. That was nice and, you know. Teen when, love. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was teen love. When we met, we were so young and it was a chase and it was like, oh, my gosh. And yeah. I was like a daddy's girl and, you know, never in a million years would I have a boyfriend. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm 16 and 
yeah, it happened. And yeah, I don't know. I liked having a boyfriend. It was fun. Mm. I've realized now that I'm someone who being an empath and the type of person that I am, it's, oh, it's hard to explain. So only now that I look back, I realize in a positive way how this plan that's happened for us works best because I kind of morphed into mm-hmm. him and yeah. what he wanted and needed and his hopes and his dreams, which was still really valid and I wanted him to get there too, but I forgot who Abby was. Yeah. So yeah. when I think about who Abby was growing up, I loved Abby and then later in life when I lost her, I didn't know who she was and it was really hard to find her. So as much as this, you know, meeting Jake, it was amazing, sometimes I think too and I'm only realising this now, you can be better without somebody but still have them in your life. But you're not, you know, you're toxic together at times. Yep. And you're better off apart. I like to think of it, and I think of this a lot with the father of my kids as well, it's almost, well, it is, it's a soul contract kind of soulmate but not soulmate in the sense that we grew up thinking a soulmate was. It's that you've been put into this life together and you've gone through so much and experienced the best of the best and the worst of the worst as well and it was all for something and for a reason and for us it was my son, our son, and Mm -hmm. for you it's your beautiful daughters and teaching each other so much that and testing each other so much in ways that no one else does. I don't know if that resonates with you as well. No, it does. And I... No, I get that a lot. And I think too, like what I've learned is that, I mean, you're not, if you're not changing, there's something wrong. And I yeah. think too, when, when you do meet someone at such a young age, you've got so much growth ahead of you and so much change to come that I think we just, we both were growing or one of us was growing, one wasn't, one was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And in different paths perhaps yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think like at certain points, you know, issues arose for each of us and we, we dealt with them in the ways that we did. And and as young kids, that was, that was how we knew how to deal with them at the time. You know, yeah. we, as we've grown up, you know, we've gone on our different paths and stuff. And I know now I've learned so many different tools to get me to where I am, but at 20 oh, I didn't God. have these tools no you know? so, absolutely not yeah so I was I was operating the only way I knew how just as Jake was too so yeah and again emotional I haven't really talked about Jake for, you know a really long time so it's nice to talk about it with a lot more understanding you know and yeah. coming from awareness not ego and anger and hurt like and probably compassion for yourself as yeah. well I think that's oh, that seems to be the shift that I see in you just from following you it sounds so creepy yeah. is talking about it from a place of yeah compassion and understanding for yourself that you were doing the best that you could at the time yeah that's right we all were rather than being angry at that past self which yeah 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 did was there was there a sense when you were together that oh this is the love of my life who I'm going to be with forever this is the father of my kids yeah this is it Wrapped up in a bow. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think that's where the fall was so hard because, you know, you've got a vision and you've got a plan and all of a sudden it's it's changed within minutes and you're like, hang on a minute, like I I can't process this, like what is happening? And now I've got these two children and this is where I was obviously young and not well at the time. It was like I've got these two kids, I don't really want them anymore anymore how am I supposed to raise them on my own? Mm. No one's going to want me. You know, you've got all these thoughts. And I think the key point that I'd like to make here is that when you do happen to separate with somebody and it's not necessarily amicable, Mm. you know, you don't hate the person, you hate yourself. Mm. You know, we don't, as much as we 
we're angry at them, but we don't, we don't hate them. We're, we're now being taught to hate ourselves because it's not, why did you do that? It's what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. did you leave me? Like I must've been doing something wrong or maybe I'm not pretty enough or skinny enough or attractive enough. Mm -hmm. And all of these thoughts are going through my head. I've just had a baby. Maybe I was really fat. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was ugly. Like my body must be gross. You know, all of these things that I was thinking and I was punishing myself because I just didn't understand that, you know, people separate yeah. It's just, it's, it's just it's life and that's what I've learned and it's okay. And yeah, I mean, let's not dismiss the feelings. Obviously you've got feelings to feel and that's another story. But at that moment, those were my thoughts. Absolutely. And I remember just having moments of just being, feeling like I was so angry at him. And as you were saying then, but more at the core of it was anger at myself for putting up with what I did yeah. and for so long. And I think that's when then the anger would be projected onto the other person. But as you said, it's more anger at yourself. Yeah, because I never really, I never had a bad time in my relationship. It was a really positive relationship. It was, you know, and, that, and that's something that I'm really proud of. The time that we spent together and then the time we spent with our daughters, yeah. it was a really positive time. So the girls have never witnessed anything negative. They've never had to go through anything bad other than, you know, the aftermath of it all, sort of my me spiralling out of control and trying to figure out my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, again, it's character building. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's a question I have for you later, but I may as well ask it now. That is probably going to be something that shapes them yeah. as they're adults. How do you hope that that shapes them? Well, it's funny because a lot of people would say to me, obviously this was a, a thing in the media and I am kind of happy to talk about it now as a bit of time's gone on. And it was such a negative thing for everybody and myself, but it's really not anymore. And mm. I think this is good to do because everyone can catch up. Everyone can yeah, catch up to so me true. now. And yeah they can catch up to where I'm at and they can sort of get rid of their own old stories. My child has pooed <laughs> right now. It's all right. Anyway, Shall we have a poo going? break? Do you want a poo break? Okay, no, I've got to get this question out. Like, now I'm going to remember what you said to me. <laughs> I think you were saying that, oh, that's right, you wanted, this gives you an opportunity for people to catch up with where you are right now. Yes, yes. But the, what was the actual question? I changed it. Oh, how will this shape your girls? Oh, that's right. <laughs> There we go. Well, you're just doing that. I always had a vision. So, and this is where I always felt like I was a little different. I had these feelings, I had these visions. So at the time when I was sharing my story, a lot of people would say to me, aren't you worried about if your girls ever see this or whatever? And I think I'm such, is this going to annoy everyone? It doesn't annoy me. I'm just used to kids. I think it's like, yeah, true. <laughs> just used to Can it. you just sit on my knee and be quiet, please? Oh, he's so cute, by the way. I know you all can't see him because it's a podcast, but <laughs> but he's really cute. He's like, reminds um, me of Ollie at that age. He's adorable. And, yeah, I kind of, so people would say to me, are you worried that the kids would see whatever's written? And what I've learned too, though, is that the media isn't necessarily nice either. So mm. I would often think to myself, do you know what? One, they talk a lot of crap themselves, but two, we're a pretty open family and I always had a vision that they would see the story for what it is now or sorry then but then see it for what it is now Mm -hmm. and what it is now is two people you know we fell in love we were young who grew apart separated shit happened but we found our way back together separately like Mm -hmm. and I think Mm. I just think that that is that's so much that's such a really nice story for the kids to see that and you know they might go through things in their own lives I can't guarantee a boy's not going to hurt them yep And I think that that's a lesson too. Like, know that you're not going through life unscathed. You're going to 
come across things, you're going to have hurdles, but it's not necessarily about the hurdle. It's about how you choose to look at it and yep. overcome it. So if they can see that mum and dad overcome it, oh, my God, I'm getting no. <laughs> It's really beautiful. I actually haven't talked about this, so I think – I think. Oh, do you want to take a second? <laughs> I think just having, well, <laughs> this new perspective and this new outlook – yeah, we can, you know, operate from such a, a nasty place and to admit to yourself that maybe in the process you were doing something wrong as well. Like for me, nothing I would – I wouldn't take anything back because that's how I knew how to deal with things yeah. at the time. But from where I'm sitting now, I look back and, yeah, I just think, wow, I, I did go through a fair bit, but I'm so happy about where it's brought us. Yeah, I'm so happy with just how happy my kids are now. Yeah, and how beautiful your life looks now as well. Yeah, yeah and I think that the kids being so happy is where this emotion's coming from, but also because the work that's been put in behind the scenes that, yeah. you know, I haven't talked about and that no one really knows about, I'm really proud of it. I'm yeah. really proud of it from everybody, like from Lee and from Jake and from his partner and, you know, like I'm I'm just really proud of the way that it's happening, it could have been a completely different story. Absolutely. We didn't have to be friends. Like, oh, and absolutely. And there are so many examples that I've seen in my life and my friends' lives of toxic examples of it's not even co-parenting, it's two parents that hate each other yeah. and the impact that that has on their children. Yeah. They, you know, I'll be hanging out with these people now and they're still speaking about it in their 30s because yeah. it stays with them forever. Yeah. So well, that's it. you should be so proud of getting to this <laughs> yeah. because that is going to be the most incredible example. Well, that's what I hope anyway, yeah. And I, and I know we'll have speed bumps along the way yeah. and stuff, but I just think that, I don't know, we've all just got such a sense of maturity now that, no matter what happens, we know that we operate best when we're all operating together. So mm-hmm. if if we happen to come across something and, you know, and one of us is angry or it pulls us apart a bit, like we know that we need to get back to that special bond that we've, we're sharing now because it's it's what works for the kids. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just coming from, you know, the highest good and awareness. Instead of my ego used to definitely take over, it was protecting me. Like mm. it was... It was, you know, he's near you. Oh, my gosh, be angry or, yep. like, you know, you Attack. have every right to be upset. Yep. Like, think about what he did. Like, blah, Yeah, blah, blah. and be a victim. Yeah, I be the victim, yeah. 100%. Mm. And I think this is where it gets really, like, you're stripping back the layers now. It's like, come on, Abby. Like, it's stop that now. It's time for you to move forward and look at what's ahead of you, you know. And, and like I was saying before, Mason really represents new beginnings mm. for me. It's a very fresh start. It's... Yeah, and, yeah, it's just realising that you played a role in the story too and own your role. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and think, no, nah, I didn't do anything I'm wrong. I'm faultless, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazing, I'm mm. perfect. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> no one Everyone is. could sit there and just, yeah, I don't know, just own a little part of their story, it might help families unite again, you know, and it, there's nothing worse than seeing what it does to the kids. I've had a, I've had a hell of a journey with Miller just getting her confident again and, mm. and stuff and she finally is I'm so proud of her and and Arlo like you know they've they've really been I don't know it impacted them as much as people would say you're so lucky they're so little mm. my girls are very emotionally intelligent they're very emotionally connected so everything was it was definitely digested on a emotional level not so much logic but mum said oh no that must be because of mm-hmm. so I really wanted to fix that and yeah, I have. Like, we all have. And 
I think that's that's my tears. Like it's just it's happy tears. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. to see. Do you want to take a poo break? I think we need to take a poo. Are you, oh, are you still pooing or are you finished? Because <laughs> these shorts aren't fitting you much longer. Are they? <laughs> and then you fell pregnant with your first daughter, Miller, at twenty-one. Is that right? Yes, so I had Mills when I was 21. I was trying for her at 19, so wow. the old young mum thing really came into play there. <laughs> I miscarried twice and, I don't know, I thought, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Like, I'm so young, I'm meant to be able to fall pregnant. I had no problem getting pregnant, but it was just remaining pregnant. So I had polycystic ovaries, but not the syndrome. So I had a lot of cysts in my ovaries and that was that was the problem. So it kind of heightens your risk of miscarriage. So mm-hmm. yeah, I miscarried twice. Finally got Miller. I was 33 weeks pregnant at my 21st. Don't be jealous. <laughs> God, I, I was in a very different state of my 21st. <laughs> and I was like, I would not rather be anywhere else but here. My friends were all like, you know, enjoying their 21st and stuff. I'm rubbing Getting my drunk. <laughs> and then, yeah, like when Millsy got to about one, we decided we, we wanted another baby. So Arlo came along and they're 21 months apart. Wow. And that was really cool bringing Arlo home. I didn't know the genders of either. We didn't find out. It was very exciting, but I felt like I knew each time. So yeah. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. Pregnancies were very similar. I had no problems. It was easy, fun. I was young, fit, like no complications. It was great. Yeah. And then it was just not long after Arlo was born, that's when we went through our separation. So she was six weeks old and yeah, it was hard. We were still sort of living together and trying to function as normal because I didn't really want anyone to know I was a bit embarrassed and that's a lesson I've learned and I, I am quite the sharer. People probably think, oh, why? But I've done the whole hiding and I've done the whole pretending like everything's beautiful and perfect when it wasn't and I just think that there is some something amazing in being vulnerable and I find when I share my hardest stories... I have the most support. So now mm. I'm like, well, why don't people want to share? And I get that there's that element of judgment, but I think that I've learned now that when people are judging you, they're casting their own shit onto you, basically. It's yeah. like they're judging you because they wouldn't do it the way that you are, but that's fine. You know, once we get to a point in life where we realise that we all do things differently mm. and you don't have to parent the way I do and you don't have to do what I do, it just it flows so much easier. So at the time I did care though and I didn't want to share that news with anybody I thought we could fix it I thought Mm. that you know we've got these kids it means we have to be together because my parents are together and I don't know anyone that's you know doing this so I tried really really hard of course footy was doing really well all of a sudden they're in the grand final yeah (laughs) emotions galore and I was still really proud as much as you know there was things happening I was very proud and that's that's the children in us, you know. That's yep. the, the work I've seen him do behind the scenes. That's all of that stuff coming into play. I'm proud. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm hurt and I'm doing what, whatever, but I'm still really proud. And I just remember crying at that period. And, yeah, it was very confusing. Come December, though, yeah, it was time to separate. And that's when we officially announced our separation. And, yeah, that was a... Oh, I was. I can't even explain what I was going through there. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't even know. I was very numb. Yeah. Didn't want to be a mum. Can you? I know it was probably difficult to even remember what that period was like. But how did it feel? I guess kind of waking up as a single mum to two very little girls at the age of twenty-two years old, and one of your kids was an infant. A yeah. Very little. How? How, how little. do you wake? 
How does it, yeah, can you talk us through, I guess, waking up in that reality all of, all of a sudden? Oh, a lot of just really scary thoughts. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, just really confused. And again, like you, you don't hate the person, you don't hate the partner, you, you learn to hate yourself. And, and this is where like this sharing journey for me, I think I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about both parties here because I've never really done that. I've, I've talked about my journey and, but I mean, he's a part of my childhood and mm. it's so funny how, you know, it worked. All I wanted in life was to be a mum. And then at that point in my life, I found I just did not want them. Wow. I was, yeah. I, I couldn't even fathom the fact that they had to be fed again the next day, yep. you know. How am I going to dress them? Like, what do you mean I have to change another nappy? Like, I don't want to move. So why would I, you know, I, I just, I don't want them. Like, yeah. and it was, yeah, it was hard. And I, I did turn to going out a lot. I went out most weekends. I'd tell my parents, you know, I've got, I've got a function. I need to, I need to have the kids. Like, you have to have them. I don't want them sort of thing. And, and this was probably more of a period when no one knew what was happening. Yeah, it was like, I don't want the kids and I would go out and I would drink and I'd have a good time and I would regret it the next day and then I'd be hungover and then I'd be more depressed because I've yeah. been drinking and suppressing and I would be looking forward to the next weekend where I could escape my reality with alcohol and yeah. just let that cycle play out. But, yeah, my dad said to me one day, stop drinking. And I was like, what? Like, how dare you kind of, you know, like. I'm young. I'm, I'm 22. Not, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not drinking. I'm going to events. Like. And I would go to an event, but I would then go out after it. I'd drink more at the event so that I could keep sort of going. He just said, like, stop. What are you doing? You know, you're a mum. You've got kids. And I was like, oh, getting angry because, yeah, I'm a mum. I'm still out of fun. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I'm obviously very unhealthy the way I'm thinking. I'm like, how dare you pick on me? I'm going through this, but you don't know what I'm going through. But how dare you sort of thing. And, yeah, it just got to a point where my best friend Hayley was like, you need to go home. Like it's yeah. time to go to chat to your mum, like tell her what's going on. You need help. And and that was that was really hard for me. She kind of rejected me. She wouldn't let me come to her house one day when I really needed her. I was like, I'm coming. She's like, no, you're not. Like you're going home. You need yeah. your mum. So, and had I, you not told your mum what was really going no, on no at this one, point? No like, one how many that. months would that be? Five. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. And we were both navigating through and yeah so anyway I I finally went home and that's when I did get the help that I really desperately needed I guess but yeah it wasn't a pretty time with the kids especially I was only 22 I was a single mum with two kids under two and I was 22 so but you know what I wouldn't have it any other way like I look back and I think god I was so strong like Mm. you know and I, I don't think I really took my hat off to myself this whole time I haven't been like you know you did such a good job and you dealt with things you know alone with the tools that you had given to you by your parents who hadn't been through a separation you know who Mm. I don't know everyone's got an opinion on what they think it looks like and what you should do and I don't know it's it's been really fun in a weird way navigating through because I've done everything the way I wanted to do it Mm. and as much as people have told me do this or they've thought that I've I've still done it my way and I think that's that's how we've gotten to this really good place and I'm not angry about anything that happened anymore. I'm really grateful and I don't judge anyone for what they've done and I now understand that hurt people hurt people mm. and just because I wasn't going through a tough time at that, you know, the, 
the time leading up to all the events, he was, and I didn't know this. So, mm. you know, and I, I now understand why people do things. So I'm not angry. I'm just not angry at anybody. Yeah. Like, And, yeah, I think that we don't, I don't know, we don't ever get told that it's okay not to, to let someone, it's okay to let someone off the hook. Like, it's, yeah. it's okay. That's a huge acknowledgement. I imagine two years ago you probably wouldn't have been able to oh, say that. Oh, God, no. No way. <laughs> yeah. Nah. And this is what I mean by, like, I've been really overwhelmed. Like, I'm just sitting here and it's only the last few weeks that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm overwhelming myself. But mm. I'm doing things that when I tell people, they're like, what? That was my reaction before yeah. when you first got here. Like, what do you mean <laughs> you're doing that? Or, you know, and it's like, yeah, I am. And I'm going to keep doing it. And I don't really care what you think because mm. it's not your position. Yeah. And your life. Yeah. Your kids your aren't life. the ones being affected. Mine are. So this is how we do it. And it works awesome. Yeah. You know, but their faces, they're like, huh? And you're just like, hmm, I yeah, think pretty bad too. <laughs> anyone that's co-parent, anyone that's not co-parenting, sorry, doesn't get how what co-parenting is and what it's all about and the sacrifices no. you make Yeah, as parents to yeah. facilitate that relationship. Yeah. So it's hard to get advice from, <laughs> I know from me, you know, people who mean well, but yeah. like, don't quite get it. Yeah. Grief has many different fronts and faces, I guess. What has it looked like over the last few years for you and how has how have those faces changed? Yeah, and well, that's really like I think what some people who don't necessarily understand what someone's going through when they're going through a separation. I don't think people understand that it, it can fall under the grief headline. Yeah. It's like, you know, you haven't no one's died, but it feels like it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still living but they're not in your life anymore. And that can be probably, you know, it's hard. It's hard to see the person that you once pictured your whole life with living their life without you in without it. You, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that can be a really hard pill to swallow. And it was, it just, it was really tough. And I probably didn't, I did not cope very well at all. And I'm like, I'm a cancer. I'm super emotional. Mm. I'm like, you know, I fall hard. I was like, oh, my God, what the, like, what has happened here? What have I done? So grief for me has been, it's been really ugly yeah. at the beginning. Like, it was very ugly. It's been, it's been okay at times too because I've suppressed it and I've learnt that, you know, people get sick of your story. So, yeah. like, grief can be like, oh, I've got to shut up and just suffer alone. And now I'm just at the point where I'm like, it's so healthy and normal to feel your feelings like grieve. Like don't, I just don't, I'm not a hider. I'm such a feeler and I don't know. I don't, I just, I'm grieving now. Like there's yeah. a part of me that's grieving now because my kids are off with, you know, their dad and his partner and, and I really like them. But the times that I didn't like them and my kids were off with their dad, I accepted that I didn't have kids, you yeah. know, to, to cope with that to cope with my kids leaving, I taught myself to believe that I don't have kids. And now, fast forward to good space, I've got two kids that go to their dad's house, they go off, they have fun, and it's only recently that I'm starting to feel a bit emotional about it. And I have really nutted it out today with you. And the reason for that is, is because I don't have to suppress those feelings anymore I don't hate this person anymore and I love that my kids get to go with their dad and spend that time with him it's just that I'm probably sitting there thinking oh I'm so not a part of it and instead of suppressing it like normal 
today I choose to feel it. Yeah. And I'm going to go through the emotion of grief. You know, I'm grieving my family because I'm not a part of it when they're not with me anymore, but they're still a family and that's okay. Like, yeah. it's just that I'm not a part of it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like a, it's a happy feeling because they're so lucky to have those people in their lives and they're so lucky to have those experiences. And they're so lucky that they've got a mum also that knows how to not operate from ego and think that being with dad is a bad thing and realise that that's a great thing, you know, and they need that time with their dad and they need that time with their their stepmom and she's a great girl and together we're so strong but when we're not <laughs> what is happening <laughs> no, we're just gonna pretend we're not she doesn't appreciate it at all what i was reflecting on when you were saying that was i think the difference maybe is now is that when you used to let them go, as you said, you suppress it and didn't want to think about it, and now you're feeling it, but there's no charged-up anger behind it. Yeah. That must be a huge difference. That yeah. anger is just taken away from it. Yeah. So it just leaves raw yeah. grief. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, And that's where we address ego again. It's when the kids used to go, it was how, like, my, my, my mind and my brain is, it's going into protection mode. It's like, no, they love being with you more. Like, yep. they don't want to go that's because they want to be with their mum if they're crying like it's like mm. you know it's ego it's like how can I and I know best and, yeah yeah yep. like, but I'm protecting you but I, do, I don't want you to get better it's like it's holding you back from being a good person essentially and and this is where the whole like playing your role comes in I was playing a role without even realizing because I was also playing into the fact that you know if the kids did cry well they want their mum they've got to be with me rather than saying you know, and encouraging, like, this is a really positive thing and, you know, it's good for you and it's good for him and it's good for everybody involved. Like, you know, that's what I needed to be doing. So, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it it all comes with time and I think this is where these podcasts and things, like this movement is really positive because it can, maybe it can fast forward someone's process. Maybe it can, you know, can poke someone in the butt and just, you know, get them into gear and stop playing the victim and stop, stop making scenarios out of nothing. Well, it's that air of transparency as well. I think if I think to myself two years ago, going through a really tough time, there was no examples of someone like you saying what you're saying now. I never knew it could be better. Do you know what I mean? And now someone, you know, as you said, with podcasts and there's people so much more open on Instagram and things like that, you sitting here doing this is giving People who were us a couple of years ago, yeah, yeah. when us a couple of years ago, you know, a reason for hope and reason yeah. to know that it'll be okay. And I think too, like there is that stigma again where it's classy to be quiet, you know, mm. like it's say like less is more. And I think, well, especially for females, for some reason, it's almost like, yeah, you know, we can have this stuff happen to us, but it's like, oh no, but don't talk about it, no, because you know you've got to remain composed and and a lady whatever that means yeah <laughs> and I think too like and I, I completely understand I, I you know I understand I think though there is a share your message yep. not your mess yes and that's something that I've always had in my mind as I've gone along every step of my journey it's never been about anyone else's story but mine mm. you know and and by my story I mean my mental journey I've literally taken everybody on this journey because I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to show you what it's like to be at chapter one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. You know, so that when people say, "Oh, I'm so jealous," like 
I wish I was at chapter, I mean, I wish I was as happy as you. I think, well, hang on, go back to chapter one. I wasn't this happy. Go back to two, three, four. I was still very confused, you know, very much lost. And I think that I'm happy to show you the transformation because I want you to see that you can do it too. Yeah. When I thought I couldn't look at like I am, I'm doing it, you know. And I think it's really important there to note as well and it's something I didn't know, is that sometimes chapter nine can look worse than chapter six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not this kind of linear, you know, as it goes on, it's just going to get better. My, for you know, I thought I was going to 2019. Yes, this is my year. And I spent, had an awful few months. And I think that's, and you've been really vulnerable with that, you know, through your stories and what you talk about, that there are just crappy times. And it's just because it's been X amount of time doesn't mean you are Y. Oh, you've, you have always been so open and raw and vulnerable. And I think I did want to chat about as well when you were very, very honest and vulnerable in your initial Herald Sun article when you detailed everything that had been going on. And, you know, what was going through your mind when you were doing that? And were you, or were you I guess, nervous of the backlash that might have come from it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when I look back at that point in my life and I just see a young girl that was very confused and very lost and I think I was very angry and I had, I don't know, I didn't, again, though, like in my head, the vision I saw was, and I didn't do that to be really mean, like it wasn't that it was mean, it was just that there were so many things being said about me that I was like, I need to clear myself, like, no, I have not done X, Y, Z, like, no, this isn't because of blah, blah, blah that I've done. So For me, it was a very, I think it was a very well put together article, but if I could probably go back, yeah, maybe I'd change it a little bit. But in saying that, when things are exposed, you don't have any other choice but to get better. And that was always my intention for, not me, but for Jake. And, you know, he might not see that for years and years and years to come, but initially, until you rip that Band-Aid, you aren't going to deal with it. Mm. You know what I mean? And, And always my bet, like... I've always had everybody in this situation's best interest. Mm. And I think when you're put in that spotlight and everyone just wants to see, you know, the shit story and they want it to play out in the worst possible way, your intentions get mixed with what they want the people with to the be headlines. Yeah, yeah. With the headlines. Mm. And I think, and that happened a lot. There was a lot of times, and it's kind of why I lost my passion for it and it turned to shit because I wasn't interested. Mm you lose your power you know you think you're doing something really good and next minute it's getting changed and Mm. or the headlines this and you're like but that's not that wasn't my that's how I didn't want it to be perceived as that and now it is and the message has been hijacked almost yeah Yeah. absolutely Mm. and so just going back to that very first one though my my heart was in the right place with that I was so concerned for you know his mental health and I know it probably doesn't look like that because in a sense you're putting it out there for everyone. It's like, bang, there's all the problems and now he's going to have to deal with that. But in my head it was like like a Brendan Favola, look mm. at me now. You know, I wanted it mm. to be like a, mm-hmm. yeah, I did that, but look at me now kind of thing. In 20 years' time we can all say, God, you stuffed up. Because you like, wanted the best and you could see the best in him as well, it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. Like I've always seen his greatness and he might not have seen it himself but – once you put everything out there, you don't have any other choice but to get better. Yeah. And I think I was just at that point where I wanted that for him, but, yeah, I also wanted to protect me as well. It was such a vulnerable time of your life and that 
time. Yeah. How did you cope with, I guess, not only the backlash, but, you know, just people who were so nasty and trolls and how, Ooh. yeah, in an already such vulnerable, hard time of your life? To be honest, I didn't read it. I've learnt. I did at the start, I guess, but I've definitely learnt, and this is where I think, again, I've learned a lot in the sense that I want to remain in my lane, like, and I'm sick of people taking advantage of me and I'm sick of people using me for a, an interesting story and I'm sick of them twisting it and, and, you know, whatever, kind of like everything that's happened in the last few years. And this is why I have kind of taken that break where I've stepped back and I've kind of just assessed where I'm at, what's important to me, what means the most, and it's not about climbing the ladder and becoming somebody to all these other people. It's just about being the best mum to my kids and at the moment it's about making sure we co-parent the best. And, yeah, I think, again, having Mason really just, it just highlighted that for me and it symbolised just how important family is and I'm not willing to prioritise I'm not here to win over people to follow me. I'm not here to become somebody off the backstory of a, you know, someone else's shit. You know, mm. I, I want to see everybody succeed and I just really want that for my family at the moment. So I don't know, I'm just I'm just in com- complete family mode to get everybody happy. And it's not my responsibility anymore for his happiness, mm. but it is my responsibility to be a friend and supportive and therefore him and the kids and, you know, his partner and anyone, you know, if they need me, I'm here. I don't want them to think that there's an ulterior motive behind Mm. things or, you know, and I think getting rid of all those things that I was doing, it made him feel a bit like that. So, which fair enough, because I probably feel like that too. So I I think we've all just learnt so much. I don't need to be on the back foot anymore. I don't need to feel like I'm being attacked or, you know, I just think we all need to just let our sword, put our swords away and come together. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that must be a massive learning journey for you considering, yeah, a couple of years ago, you know, there were those articles and it was like almost this headline yeah. war that the media thrived off. You yeah. might, did you almost feel like yeah, you got kind of, not you got caught up, but it was almost just this like vortex that kind of just sucked you in yeah it was just oh do you know it's so funny because I I go through things and I can feel in my gut what's right what's not right but at that time in my life I was doing what everyone else wanted yeah giving the people what they wanted and I was giving the Herald Sun what they wanted I wasn't listening to myself Mm -hmm. and I think now I'm like oh I just want to listen to my gut and and that's what I'm doing and yeah, I have no regrets. It's the best thing. I wish I did it sooner. But, again, I didn't know what I was doing. No one's no one's shown me the way. Like, no. <laughs> no one's paved the way for me. I don't know. You know, I don't have all the big celebs supporting me. I don't have all of this, you know. I just – I'm just me and I was going through things and then people wanted my the stuff and I thought, shit, I don't have – that's my income right now. Yeah. I don't know how to support myself. So, you know, the future's pretty yeah. scary. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Sure, I'll have a little dabble in this, see how I go. Like, it just was so – it's such a, a time that I, I think I suppressed. I can't remember a lot. I can't remember a lot of Arlo as a baby. Like, wow. yeah, it's just like, I don't know, Mason come along and it's like I'm ready to start living again. I'm ready yeah. to start enjoying again and I'm ready to have, you know – what's my purpose and I think a big thing for you as well and it's what you continue to do to this day I know I think you went into it to help other people you know I think that's always the core of what I've noticed everything you do is you're putting yourself out there 
so that other people who feel it are going through something similar yeah. know they're not alone or can get strength from you. Well, so it was a very selfless place. That was definitely, that was why I did everything. Like, I mean, it was, I feel like the way that I have put myself out there, it's been very, it's all been according to me. And that's where my blog came from. According to Abby, it was, you know, it was about my mental health. It was about, you know, it was about just, being sad, being a single mum, being sad and having two kids and thinking, shit, what the hell's going on with my life right now? And it was just to document it. The best way for me to deal with things is to write and mm. just to get it out of my system. So that's where it, it literally began. And then obviously, you know, I was so blindsided by my emotions that I didn't realise people were taking advantage of me. And now I look back and I don't regret it though because, again, learning curve. And I wouldn't, you know, I now I operate differently I say yes to things that I really like and I say no to things that I think, nah, not interested. Yeah. And I wouldn't have done that, you know, a year ago. I would have been like, okay, yes, like, sure, if that's what you want, no worries, you know, because I'm thinking my family, how do I support us? Yeah, of course. You know, I was scared. Yeah. yeah. I see a lot of references on your Instagram about you being quite spiritual. Yeah. Was that something that you, were you like that before all of this? No, I think, and that's where I say I've always felt really deeply always felt yeah very deeply I've I've always been a very big communicator I think I don't know that was probably my awakening moment you know that was that cracked me my separation definitely cracked me open and I don't know I lost I lost good friends in the process I lost you know at the time my partner everything changed me I was alone it was very alone lonely time I didn't really have a choice other than to start seeking something from inside and I think that's just where it started I I really got cracked open started spending a lot of time with a life coach who was also a psychic and I just sort of started to listen to my own thoughts and my own things and and gain a bit more confidence in that area so yeah I am quite in tune with myself and coming from like a more spiritual side for me is what helps heal me I've you know I've done the psychologist and the counsellors love it but as I've evolved, I've turned to different ways to help me. So, yeah, it's just that that worked for me. That's a really interesting point because for people who are, yeah, back in Chapter 1 and 2, yeah. psycho- psychologists are so important, Definitely. as you said. But is it a process of trying lots of different things? Yeah, you know, so. Is that what you tell people? Yeah, for sure. And I highly recommend, obviously, continuing your appointments and seeing a psychologist and just – Oh God, mine was a bit of an intervention. It was my friend and my mum that took me there because they're like, oh, you're so depressed. Like, yeah. And I was like, I'm fine, but I, I wasn't. Like I wasn't enjoying life. Again, alcohol was my best friend because if I could, you know, Numb escape it. my reality yeah. and pretend I was Beyonce, why wouldn't I? <laughs> so I did that for a while. And then I got antidepressants and I went on them and it was the best thing I did. And then I decided that there are so many things that I can control like my thoughts and my attitude and, you know, what I think about when I wake up in the morning, you know, what I'm grateful for. And I just decided that, hang on, I think this approach really suits me better. So once I started feeling good, once I started feeling good and like myself, I also started doing different practices and stuff. And then I got to a point where, yeah, I I didn't need to be on medication anymore. Yeah, because a lot of my stuff was situational. It was triggered by certain things. If I could just control those, then I was okay. And then once I found, you know, the spiritual side of things, doing workshops for women and that kind of stuff, like I just need to talk. 
Yeah. I just need to go through and dissect every little bit of everything and then I'm okay. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I don't shut up. And that, but that's, that is the problem with a lot of people. It's like we, we don't talk because that makes us look vulnerable and we don't want to do that because they can't know that I'm struggling in any element of my life or I'm weak. And this is where I said to you before about the whole less is more in the media, you know, the more you share, it's like, why would you do that? If Mm. you remain silent and whatever, you look more powerful and in control. But I just, my, that's not what I wanted to do with my story. I wanted to talk about my struggles in order to empower other people Mm -hmm. because I wasn't feeling empowered by silence. No. (laughs) I needed answers and the alternative was really dark, scary thoughts. And I didn't really want to go down that path. Mm. I I had kids initially as much as I didn't want them at the time. I needed to get to want them. And that is just like, I take my hat off to you for acknowledging that because I can imagine there are so many mums out there who are thinking what you've just thought and would never be brave enough to say that out loud because it's a huge acknowledgement yeah and I think too just understand though that it's a thought Mm. like doesn't mean you actually want that yeah and that's why I can say it because I completely understand how my mind works when I'm feeling vulnerable you know, my anxiety flares up. I have that little voice that's, you know, the fear is sitting in the front seat and it's got no masking tape over its mouth and it's driving me. And it's about understanding that fear is okay, but it's not the driver. So, yeah. you know, I might have a thought, but I'm not my thought. Yeah. It's just a thought. And then it's going to go like our emotions. You know, yeah. I'm sad, but I'm not going to be sad forever. Don't let the emotion unpack itself and live with you. You know, we've got to, we've got to get back to that balanced state again. Yeah, they're waves. As you said, sometimes they crash pretty hard and sometimes yeah. they... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, what were and what continue to be some of your self-care, self-love practices? Well, I try, I try and wake up and I will name three things that I'm grateful for and I've got my kids doing it now. So mm. we do it when we go to bed and we do it when we wake up. So literally Miller will lay in bed and she'll be like, Mama, Mama. I want to, I want to tell you my three things and I'll say, what are your three things? And she'll say, I'm so grateful to have a beautiful mum. And I feel like she just thinks she has to say that. I'm like, you don't have to say that, but thank you. <laughs> but I'll take it. But okay. She'll say, I'm so grateful that I have a roof over my head and I'm so grateful for a sister or something, you know, and I'll say my three things. And, and I think, I don't know, it just, it brings you back to yourself. We can get so taken away by things and you know, what's going on in the media and Instagram and just things, literally things that we lose sight of what's important. And for me, that's my kids. It's my family. And it's just my emotional state. It's, it's prioritizing exercise. If I can't prioritize exercise, I notice a shift in my moods. Like if I don't get enough sleep, like my anxiety flares up. I think it's just about being aware of those things. And I've made them the important things, you know, like I need to exercise. I need to, I need to try and get some sleep. I need Lee to help me if yeah. the kids are being nutbags. Like there comes a point where I'll lose my shit if that's not the case. So just, I know the simple things. It's just the simple things for me. Whether it's movies on the couch, just to yeah, ground me. Go, bit, go back home to Bendigo. Talk to mum and dad. Talk to mum on the phone. And that's also another thing is, you know, some people don't have that mum or that friend and. There's the other reason why I started doing what I did. Yes. You know, you, you don't have that person. Well, I'll be that person. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't have someone to listen to you, well, listen to me and I can hopefully resonate with you. Talk to me. You know, I might not read it, but it, you've still sent it. I'll see it eventually. 
but I just wanted to be that friend for people that didn't have one. I'd love to ask you this question because I think a lot of single mums have thought this. I know I definitely did. Did you ever think you'd find love again? Did you ever think you'd have another boyfriend or we like, no. this is done. Oh, 100%. <laughs> love life is done. Yeah, yeah. And we're done. This was another thing that I felt I learnt when I sort of got cracked open a bit was that there are so many stories that we tell ourselves which keep us trapped. And one of the stories that I told myself was that, you know, I, who's going to love me because I'm single? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that was my story. And if you guys want to start thinking about, you know, a story that you're running with yourself, like I'll give you another example. My mum and dad, when I was younger, we had some, you know, financial worries and my dad would never answer the phone. Mm. As an adult, my phone rings and I don't answer it, but I don't have money worries. It happened just before. <laughs> oh, literally my phone rang. She's like, you can get that. I'm like, mm, no, no, I'm good. That's just a story because dad didn't answer the phone. I don't answer the phone. So you need to kind of realize that as we get older, we've got these stories that we just, we've outgrown. They don't serve us anymore. So I was a single mum and I had two kids who's going to love me. Well, I've proved it wrong because it is completely doable. Rather than looking at those kids as a burden, it was time to start seeing them as, you know, who's lucky enough yep. to have me and my kids, Good. basically. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what I did. I changed my mindset. But when I, I mean, I met Lee and I, I'm not going to sit here and go, I was ready and you have to love yourself for someone else to love you. That's bullshit. You know, I needed someone to love me because I didn't love myself. You know, I needed love. And I think that the main message there is to just understand that if you haven't got love around you, that's the hardest part of, you know, you're in a shit position, you know, and you can't expect, I hate when people say it to me, like, you know, you need to love yourself first. Shut up. Like, no, <laughs> you don't. And I didn't. God, Lee's been on the journey with me the whole time. I met, I met him in the February. I think I separated in the December. So Yeah, that's so that's so um, incredible. And we, we started dating in the August. So he's come on this journey with me from the start and it's not been easy. He's definitely, he has got the rest of me at times and I've let all this troublesome shit get the best of me. And I just think that now it's been reversed, you know. Do you think it, you know, it probably wasn't the ideal start because, as you said, you're going through still so much, but it almost gets rid of all the shit straight away. He just saw you straight away. There was no, like, acting like the cool girl like we do when we're first dating someone. It was just like, this is me, all of me, this is all my crap, take it or leave it. And I was like, you know, there was shit out there written about me. There was things out there. There was this, that, and you know, it didn't matter. It just, it did not matter. I think that the beauty of finding someone that was just interested in you, like, you know, it was through a friend, it was through my friend at the time, Sophie. And, you know, I was so taken back by someone being interested in me that I was like, no, not doing it, not going on a date. He actually messaged her and was like, you know, who's your friend? I'd love to take her on a date. She's like, oh, she's got kids. And he was like, yeah, I've got a nephew. And I was like, oh, my God, that's totally not the same. (laughs) But, yeah, we'll have him think that it's the same. Yeah, it's easy. You get to hand your nephew back. And I was like, no, because I don't know how to talk to anyone. You know, I've only ever bloody spoke to my dad and Jake. Like, <laughs> this is so awkward. <laughs> so I said no, and I just kept declining, and he was very persistent. So we eventually sort of caught up, and he wanted to take me to Crown, to Gold Class, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's funny, because I'm just not. That... <laughs> as much as, like, that's cool and I've experienced it and it's fun, I'm like, that's not the way to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> 
But he was trying to impress me. He was trying to impress me. And then, and also I was going through that shit. I'm like, I don't want anyone to see me with this boy. And it's embarrassing. Like, oh, thank you. So he's like, what about some fish and chips at my sister's? And I was like, bang. Like, now now we are talking. Like, you are the one. And so we did. We just had fish and chips. And I thought, wow, he he was such a good listener. He didn't judge me. You know, I think any normal guy would probably be be feeling a bit funny if you literally have to be dissecting your ex as much as I've had to. Oh my to gosh, get yeah. Through a lot of men would run. Yeah, they would. Mm. And because again, I'm a cancer, we go through every little detail <laughs> just so that Abby can feel better. Yep. So he sat there and he was so good and he listened. And I think that's a, another important thing is find someone who not isn't there to listen so that they can speak. Just listen to listen and that was the best just to have him there meeting a you know an amazing man like lee would give you know so many single moms so much hope i remember being 26 with an eight-month-old baby literally saying no one will ever love me i am disgusting it's because i'm fat it's because i'm this and blah 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 and so many women out there are saying those kinds of things to each other and don't believe men like lee no they don't yeah and you know what though like even you know jake's a better version of himself for someone else and i think too like that was something that i discussed with his partner was that maybe we just we were not good for each other at our ages like as in we were great for each other when we were young which was fun and it was it was electric like it was exciting and then you get to a point where you're adults and you've changed in that time and naturally we're conditioned to hate whereas I'm like hang on I've done so much work I'm learning so much I don't want to be like the majority I want to learn to work together and understand that we're better separate you know, and we don't have to hate and we don't have to have this toxic relationship and it doesn't have to be like that. So yeah, it's been really, it's been really interesting because again, mm. people's reactions, it's like, what? Like, yeah, they don't oh get my it. God. But I'm like, you're not, you're just doing what you've been conditioned mm. to do. Yeah. We're conditioned to hate the person that broke our heart. Yeah, it's like, well, that's mm. your ex. Oh, evil sort of yeah. thing. Whereas I'm like, I don't want to think like that and I'm not going to. And therefore, if you're going to project your shit onto me, that's fine, but that's what you would do if you were me and you're not. So, I'm, yeah. you know, this is what we're doing and it works. You put up a really beautiful post because I do want to speak about Mason because I know that mm-hmm. he is another, you know, marks a chapter in your life. And you said how each of your children represented something yeah. in your life. Would you mind sharing that? Because I, I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm, again, a cancer and I'm always just thinking of, I don't know, I, I just feel everything very deeply and I have such deep connections with each of my kids and, I don't know, I think for me having Miller really represented that, you know, you can have whatever you want in life and for me I wanted to be a mum. So here comes Miller and, you know, and I, I had the struggle before. I'd had the miscarriages and had to work really hard to get her and, again, when I had those miscarriages I couldn't understand why and then when I had Miller it all made sense, you know, like well, of course I had those miscarriages because I wouldn't have had her and she was perfect if I didn't. So, and it didn't fully make sense then. It makes sense now why I had her, but she was my reminder that, you know, you can have what you want and you can go for what you want and and you'll get it. You just, you know, believe in yourself, whatever. Arlo, on the other hand, was my reminder that, and this isn't anything like, it's not Arlo, it's like, just I look at her and and I just think you know you remind me that your path will change and it might not go to plan but that's okay like Mm -hmm. you know I had Arlo thinking that 
we're going to have our second baby now and this is, you know, life's amazing. And then it went to shit. Mm. And so Arlo is like my reminder that, yeah, you can go for what you want with Miller, but then it might not work out how you want it to be with Arlo, but it's still really amazing. There's just a lot of lessons in there and she teaches me a lot, (laughs) mind you. And then you've got Mason who comes in to remind me that just – trust in the universe like you know I think that it's like a reminder that you can have what you want it might go to shit but eventually it will be okay (laughs) it's very mean teary now (laughs) I remember being so happy for you when you announced that you were pregnant and I just thought oh if anyone deserves their happy ending and I know that's you know it's not an ending but after everything it was you so it was really you know lovely for me sitting on the sidelines with no pity or tears it is it is nice and and I think that's the feeling I want everyone to have is that like you know I might have looked like a dick at times putting shit out there and and I'm okay with that it's other people that might not have been but like if it's coming from me and it's about me then it's got nothing to do with anyone else yeah and if it touches someone then then I don't mind looking like a fool for an idiot like for a time but like when I get to that point that I'm happy and it all makes sense to me then it was worth it, you know, and, and I look, I don't look back and think, oh, you idiot, you shouldn't have done that. I look back and think that really represented a shit time for you. God, you were really struggling at that point, mm. you know, like, mm. wow, that was probably my lowest or, you know, and this was where I was sort of finding myself again, just in there. And then, you know, and I get to look back at the very beginning and think, well, shit, you've come a long way. Like, yeah, of course. I don't know. I just don't find there's no shame to it. And this is where the whole vulnerability part comes in. It's like, why do we, why do we think we look stupid because we make mistakes? Yeah. I've made plenty and I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't make, you know, all of them or any of them. So, yeah. And that goes for, you know, with people and I wouldn't have it any other way. If I didn't meet Jake, I wouldn't have my two beautiful girls. Yeah. I wouldn't have had a beautiful life with him at the start. We, we got to experience so many incredible things, you know, and I got to see him live his dreams and, and do so many amazing things. And I'm really happy that I got to share that with him. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that it takes time to get to that point. Absolutely, and, and I'd love to then to ask you about that. What does co-parenting look like now for the four of you? Yeah, it's good now. Like, and I'm, like I said, we're probably still going to have our little hiccups and whatever along the way, and that's, I don't know, I think, like I said, it's, it's just knowing that we work best as a four, and so if we're going to have those hiccups, just really understand that we need to, get back to that floor eventually and I'm so happy to have like and that's probably another reason and I should probably will hate this but I love Taylor is because it's such an amazing thing that you just said just then yeah well <laughs> we're very we're kind of similar but then we're different in the sense that again I'm a talker and she's obviously gonna be like nah don't talk about me <laughs> but she works so well with us and that's probably I know it's something that I've, I've definitely had to learn to get to love over time because there's these women all of a sudden placed in the mix and that's where co-parenting's fun <laughs> at the best times. <laughs> Throw partners in. Co-parenting's mm. really fun. <laughs> Again, we're so conditioned to, like, be intimidated and threatened by this person and I'm not. I think she's amazing and she has been this whole time, you know, and I said to her the other day, you've literally mediated Jake and I at times like you've been you've been the level head that we've needed at times it's been really nice and I'm so grateful that my kids get that person you know I wouldn't and I've said it to everybody even when we weren't in a good place it's like 
you know, what's she like? I'm like, oh, do you know what? She's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if I could choose a person for my kids yeah. to be with when I'm not there, it's I would choose her a hundred times. So, yeah, it, it was just about me catching up and, yeah. and all of us catching up. So Yeah, because you didn't always feel like this about no, her and the situation. No, you? Yeah. no, and if I sat here and said I did, I'd make everyone feel like shit. And that's the whole point of these podcasts. It's like share your experience so that if you're hating the – you know, stepmom. I couldn't even say those words. And people used to say to me all the time, like, you know, you call me stepdad. When are you going to call her stepmom? I'm like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Ignore. You don't know how it feels to be me. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I was like, oh, whatever. Just ignore that comment. And then I'm like, oh, God. Because <laughs> at the time... I, I guess it was about, it was all about me. Like, and and I don't have to think about that and she's not that, so shush. But, like, yeah. no, she's having a very big influence on my kids. Like, you were, you were definitely a stepmom. Like, you're stepping in as a mum when I'm not there. Like, and people say to me, you know, what do the kids call Lee? They call him Lily. Like, occasionally they might say, oh, Daddy Lily or whatever. But we don't ever dismiss each other's roles and... You know, no one's going to be Jake. He's their dad mm. and he will be and he's a great dad. Like he's not he's not a shitty dad. He's a really great dad and he's very present and the kids love their dad. Yeah. They love Lee and they love Taylor yeah. and they love me. Like once you realise that your kids have a place for everyone, you don't have to be competing. Like it's just so much easier. Do you picture one day you know, your children, they're not quite ready for school soon though. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know, and high school and graduation and getting married that it'll be the four of you all, yeah. you know, even carpooling yeah. together. Or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, just or being able to all go out together afterwards and yeah. grab a bite to eat. Yeah. Is that and something that you hope to see one day? I, that's like never not been my goal. So when I said at the very start, like, you know, this obviously all happened and I, but I still set goals. And I think that's probably some advice that I can give is that if you have, you know, you might not see it in the near future, but if you can see something for you and your family in 10, it might be 10 years, like it might be 20, but have a goal. And mine was always that we would, we would come together one day. We would bring our lives that are separate together and they will operate you know, we might not ever be best friends, but I will always respect him. And I'm, I'm almost getting to the point where like, you know, I'm allowed to say something, but if it's like that, you know, you know, when it's your sister, you can bag her, but if someone else does, you're like, yeah. in a minute. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa>. Wow. <laughs> it's almost like, it's your brother. <laughs> it's like, right, well, I'm allowed to say that, but you're yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I have a goal and just set tiny goals along with them. You know, it might be that, you know, one week I didn't even want, I didn't want to walk out to the car because I felt really uncomfortable. But my small goal was that every time my kids like go, I put them in the car. That's incredible. So I go and I put them in the car. I don't stand at the door and hide. It's like, I mightn't like you very much now, but one day I'm going to. So I'm, <laughs> I'm determined to do it. Yeah. And so just set goals. I think little tiny goals and they could be whatever for you, but if you're in a position to, that is, you know, and, and if you're not, then, you know, your goal might just be that when they leave, you go do something nice for yourself yeah. so you don't feel guilty or, you know, because it is hard to give your kids away. It's harder to give them to someone you don't like. 
but it's harder to give them to someone you don't like that you don't really have a reason not to like. <laughs> You're kind of like, oh, if I had a reason, it would be really easy, but I just I'd don't. be messaging all my friends about this reason. But <laughs> just because you are living and breathing, I don't like you, so... <laughs> I think I think any mom who's gone through this and knows that feeling of giving away their kids to someone else yeah. would um, empathise with yeah. that and get that. So sure. you're not crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Trust and me. I don't think we mean anything by it. Like if I can speak on those mums, like when you do get to that place, again, you catch yourself out on all your stupid thoughts, like all the stupid thoughts. You know, I never knew that I was going to meet Lee and, you know, have another baby and be happy again. So I hated him even more. Like – but if I had have known that life was going to be nice to me and better, yeah. I probably could have said thanks, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. like at the time. But that's the thing. We don't have a crystal ball. We can't see our future. We think our world is just ended. And that's the women that come to me. They're like, what do I do, Abby? I'm like, just feel this shit feeling now, like, and cry. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like, feel really shit. That's and okay. Later you can feel better, but just feel really shit now. And What would the Abby now tell the Abby in her darkest, worst moments? Oh, I would probably like like to remind myself early days that, and I think I say this all the time actually, that I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. Like I think back then my darkest days were when I was shut up and not saying anything because I was trying to remain quiet and didn't want to be vulnerable scared of not being liked and losing people. And I think that, yeah, I'd probably tell myself that, like, you have to lose people in order to realise certain lessons so that you can grow. And they might be people that you wouldn't even imagine. It might even, like, it can be a death in the family. It could be that you lose your mum. Like, it doesn't have to be a heartbreaking love story. Like, it can be that, you know, you've lost your parent or a sibling or a friend. Like, I don't know, I just think that, when you do lose those people in your life, you do, you get you get smacked in the face with lessons. And I think that, yeah, I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. If I had have just been a bit more open and shared that with people at the time, I would have lost the people that I held on to probably a bit too long and I probably would have learnt those lessons sooner. But, yeah, and I think to trust the process, yeah. like really trust the process and don't get so, like, even now old Abby would probably look around me on Instagram and think, oh, shit, this is happening for that person and they're doing this and, oh, why am I not doing that? Like just understanding that where you are is where you're meant to be, you know? Like I'm meant to be here because, you know, I've, I've got a story and my story isn't, like I said, I'm not here to share my mess. I'm here to share my message. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know, I just something about trusting the process probably more so yeah but there's something for me I don't know what it is I can feel it like Mm -hmm. and it's I'm coming closer to it like I just I've been in a really like how you going period like (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I don't know I've got this gorgeous little baby that's cemented me and I feel like I've found home again my purpose at the moment is to be a mum, but I know there's something for me. Yeah. I just don't know what it is. And it's really frustrating at times, but again, just sit down and trust, trust the, the process. process and it'll reveal itself for sure. I love you yeah. saying trust the process as you look down holding Mason. It's yeah. a really beautiful <laughs> image because as again, I think two years ago, you wouldn't have imagined you'd no, be sitting God, here like no. this. Oh so, my God, no. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And with, you know, 
I know this, this question always feels redundant when I ask people when they've had big things happen in their life, but can you, what does the future look like for you? When the next five, ten years? Well, Lee and I have bought a block of land. We've awesome. got a nice acre that we're going to build on. And for me, I think it's just simplicity. Like I just, I crave simple life and it's animals and it's my kids and it's memories. And it's just, yeah, like work side of things and what I do with Instagram and stuff. That really is a bonus. So I just, yeah, I want to move. Well, that will be in a couple of years. I don't know. I Maybe I, I don't know if I'm finished with children yet. I feel like I've possibly got one more in me. That's like question mark though because some days I'm like, love this, like going to the gym. I feel strong again and I'm, you know, and then other days I'm like, oh, imagine if you had a little sister. <laughs> oh, imagine. And Lee's like, yeah. And then other days he's like, no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I would hope that I'm happy and whatever it is, it fills my cup. I'm not doing it just because, and I know I won't be doing it just because that's what others want or that's what I feel I should. Whatever I'm doing, it'll be because I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for chatting. I've gotten so much out of everything you've said. And I think anyone listening is just going to, you know, your story just is incredible. Well, I feel like I've spoken way too much. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't. You really haven't. Everything you've said is so beautiful and so many people are going to, well, I hope so many people listen. So many people. So many. (laughs) My (laughs) mum. And my maybe grandma. my best friends are going to get so much out of what you've said. It's well, it going feels to be funny to have rehashed something that I've not particularly really talked about in that way or like I haven't really talked about that person much because I've never wanted to because I probably have never been mature enough to say it in a proper way. Yeah, just I mean? in a conversational yeah, way. Like, yeah. And just to not have anything attached and just so effortlessly talk about it because – I love the story now. I've fallen in love with my story, I think. Like, it's very, I don't know. Like, who wants to have an easy life? How boring. Yeah, exactly. I'd much rather have one in the last few years. <laughs> I would much rather that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I am very grateful and thankful for the lessons. I have changed my values and beliefs. The old ones didn't serve me anymore. And yeah. I just have a better look on life because of it. So thank you to everyone involved. Yeah, no, it is so, so, so inspiring. You, you've given me a lot to think about. Thank you. <laughs> Tonight. I think I've got to be nicer to people. Um, no, no. Thank you so much again, Abby. And no, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you. How incredible was Abby? I want to thank her so much for really showing up for this interview and being so open and vulnerable and candid and honest and really giving us an insight into her life because I think when people do share these stories and they are so vulnerable, they really help so many of us out there who've experienced something similar or resonate with her story know that, you know, we're not alone. There are others that have felt what we feel and have walked our path. So I want to thank her so very, very much. If you enjoyed listening to this chat as much as I enjoyed having it, please take a screenshot, chuck it on your stories and tag Abby and I. We'd love to see your feedback. And it would also mean the absolute world to me if you could hit subscribe, hit five stars and leave a review because this will help other people who perhaps need to hear these kinds of stories find Lemonade. Thank you once again for tuning in and for all of the support 
support, particularly over the last week. I've been so blown away by the amount of people who have just sent me a message and let me know they liked it or let me know that they told their friends. And it honestly blows me away. So thank you guys all so much. And I can't wait to chat and do it all again next Monday. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.